Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, today, we will be talking to Jonathan Davey. Uh, Jonathan, welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jonathan serves as the youth pastor of Hamilton Baptist Church in Hamilton, Scotland. And is that is that somewhat close to, to Glasgow? Is that is that right? Yeah. You'd be about a half hour drive outside of Glasgow. Okay. All right. Um, and so, you know, before we get into some of our, our questions for today, why don't you just tell us uh, how, how long have you been on staff at Hamilton and, um, and yeah, just uh, some of that as we get going. Because I know Jonathan and I, and I guess I, I should say we connected uh, through uh, one of the Bible studies that we have available on our website. And so that's how Jonathan and I got connected. And uh, so just tell us a little bit about you serving in uh, Hamilton, and then uh, we'll get into some of our questions for today. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my name's Jonathan. I've been the youth pastor here at Hamilton Baptist Church for the last uh, two, just over two years. And it's been a really exciting journey. Um, I've been the first youth pastor that this church has had. So it's been a really great time uh, starting from the bottom and considering what does it look like to, to have a functioning biblical youth ministry. Um, a little bit of my story, I grew up uh, within the church. Uh, not within the Reformed Church at all, they'd be more charismatic and leaning. Um, and I, church was fine for me. It was a big church, church for around five, six hundred people, which for Scotland is massive. Um, and there was plenty of young people. Uh, we had loads of opportunities. We did loads of summer camps and various things. Um, through that, we ended up going to Zambia on some mission work um, and whatever else. And now, as I reflect, I see that it was a youth ministry predominantly built on the experiential rather than trying to ground our young people in scripture. Um, and when I was 16 years old, my father was a deacon and a worship leader in church and uh, things happened and he ended up walking out on, on my family. Um, and that, that tore me apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit absolute rock bottom at 16. I walked out of church. Uh, did I make a commitment before I was 16? I don't think I did. Um, and I hated God. I hated God. I hated church. Um, and it took me on this whole long journey. Uh, and I was saved when I was 18 back in Zambia. And that's a whole nother story of how I ended up back there. Um, but, you know, God has been so good to me. Um, and I recognize that a lot of a lot of the problems that have come, that have come through my own family, through my church life, is, is my faith wasn't in the death and resurrection of Christ, but my faith was in my family. Uh, our faith as a family was often in the experiences, you know, within within youth ministry. It was very much who has their hands up for the longest or who can cry first or who can shake and fall over. And that's how we were, I guess, brought up. And that sounds bad. It probably wasn't as deliberate as that, but that's what it felt like. And I went to I went to the Scottish Baptist College is where I studied um, and they wouldn't be a reform school. They wouldn't be a Calvinistic school. And it was really within there that I began to wrestle with what I believed. And I knew that the problems that had come for me had been my lack of rootedness in the scriptures. So that was really where I wanted to start. And I guess that took me on this whole journey of of embracing reformed doctrines. Um, And I knew very early on when I began to study um, that I just wanted to see young people brought up in the world. Hmm. Um, Do you know, because we recognize that experiences are, are great and they're fine, but... It is the rootedness in the world that prepares us for life and the challenges that come ahead. Um, and yeah, I, 
through school I met my wife uh, my wife Victoria is a primary school teacher uh, and she's fantastic at her job and she's great um, I, and that leads us to here we have around 30 young people in our church uh, and it's really exciting it's really really exciting a great bunch of kids we've baptised uh, 10 of them in the last year which has been awesome um, so yeah loads and loads of encouragements but that's a little bit of my story mm, yeah Jonathan thank you so much for, for sharing that and I like how you were just Talking about the the experiential nature of of your upbringing and how oftentimes that can define youth ministry. That it is just about you know raising your hand, seeing who can cry the first, and and that sort of thing. And so to, yeah. to hear you comment and and know initially just how we connected online, you reaching out for one of our Bible studies, um, and and just the encouragement there of how you've been able to utilize that in your church and just letting those know mm-hmm. who, who are listening. Uh, if you go to rym.org, under our resource tab, we have free Bible studies uh, for people to download and, and use. Uh, so, Jonathan, it's great to hear how that uh, connected with you. We're going to take a quick break uh, to talk a little bit about a youth ministry class coming up, and then we'll get into our, our talk for today. Hey everyone, if you are someone serving in student ministry, you may be interested to know that I will be teaching a youth and family ministry class at Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi on January 13th through the 17th in 2020. It's a week-long intensive, so if you live outside the Jackson area, you would be able to take this course without the inconvenience of traveling back and forth for an extended period of time. This class will look at a philosophy and methodology of youth and family ministry, as well as youth cultural analysis. There will be an extended amount of time given to current youth culture and how you, you can bring God's Word in, to bear in the midst of this specific cultural context. The registration for this class begins soon. You can find more information about that at RTS. All right, Jonathan, uh, this is season four of this podcast, and the theme of this season is partnering with parents in student ministry, and we'll definitely get into some discussion about parents and student ministry, but uh, tell us a little bit about your church context, not only the the church that you're currently uh, ministering in, but then yeah, you know the the surrounding area. I think it's it's helpful for us to get different perspectives on youth ministry. I know we had uh, Paul Brown on. Um, I guess this might have been the second season of the podcast, and he serves in in Belfast, which I know is a little oh, bit cool. of a, a swim for you uh, if you were to go there. Just a little uh, bit. Yeah, and for those listening, those were episodes. 211 through 215 if if you want to go back and and listen to those when we broke those up into to five different segments but it's just it's helpful for us to be reminded how broad God's kingdom is and to hear how our church functions in different contexts and so uh, just just give us a little bit of an idea of of what your ministry context looks like over there in the UK Sure. So Hamilton Baptist Church, what I serve, is a church of around 300 people. Um, it's always been a strong teaching church. Uh, Alistair Begg was one of our pastors in the 80s before he headed over to the States. Um, and it's always been a, a fantastic church for that. Uh, as I said earlier, we have about 30 young people. We've got about 40 children in there as well. We are a conservative, evangelical, reformed Baptist church. Um, and we talk about the surrounding areas. We are There's another couple of Baptist churches um, that aren't massively close to us, but within probably by American standards, they're on our doorstep. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so we have the Church of Scotland who uh, function in the parish system. Um, So they are in lots of locations and in the main have elderly congregations. 
Um, we find a lot of them uh, amalgamating, obviously. You might be aware of the decisions and the votes that have been taken in the Church of Scotland to embrace same-sex marriage and various things. So there's been lots of splits. There's still great evangelical guys in there. Um, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on in there. Um, so our surrounding area, um, there's a, another great Baptist church down the road called Calderwood Evangelical Church, a Baptist church that we, we partner with um, and get to do some really cool things. Um, as a country on a whole, it's an interesting outlook, I guess. We are a very liberal country. Um, our politics are liberal. Our school system is liberal. Everything is liberal. Um, probably more so than people would recognise. Uh, there was a great report done in, I think it was 2015, by the Barna Group that, that spoke a little bit into just trying to get some of the figures together um, for Christians. 52% um, of people in Scotland self-identify as Christians. But they started to break that down and they found of that 52%, 69% of that number are legacy Christians. Do you know, so it's cultural, it's heritage, it's being passed down to them. 26% of those are non-evangelicals. And we find 5%, not of the country, but 5% of the 52% identify themselves as evangelicals. Now, that doesn't include the liberals that would include themselves as evangelicals, by the time we boil that number down, we're looking at 2.5% of our country as evangelical Christians, mm. um, which is a far, far cry to, to where our country has been in the past. Um, there, there is great youth ministries uh, across this country. Um, they tend to be fairly small in size, I guess. Um, but there are, there are there are good bits of outreach being done. There is great discipleship being done across churches. Um, but I think we are we're probably guilty of staying within our own turf a lot. We're probably guilty of not partnering as we should. So that's definitely something um, that we are currently looking at is how we can partner better with other churches, how we can get our teenagers out to meet other Christians because it's so easy to be isolated, so easy just to focus in your own place. Hmm. Yeah. And, and do you mind talking just a little bit about that partnership? I know when we were corresponding over email, you had talked about trying to partner with s some other churches and, and kind of thinking through that. And so this might be just kind of uh, something that's just now starting. But but, but yeah. what are some of those efforts you're, you're trying to do and what, sure. what, what does that look like? So there are two a church I referenced earlier called the Wood Baptist Church and another church in a place called East Kilbride, which is about five miles down the road. Um, and essentially, I met with the elder of the evangelical church responsible for the youth work and the youth pastor in this Baptist church. And we sat down and we're all fed up of what we see in youth ministry. We're fed up of smoke machines and laser tag and big games and experiences and those sort of things. So we sat down together and said, what can we do that, that gets our young people into the world? What can we do that brings them together so we can teach them together? Um, and essentially what we're doing is just that, it's just bringing our young people together. So uh, we took two or three of our young people over a couple of weeks ago and we just went and shared testimony as part of their youth group, uh, which was a great encouragement to the other churches um, you know, between us all, we probably have 60 or 70 young people. Um, and, you know, there's great scope with what you can do with that number of young people um, and how you can teach them. And there's a real hunger there. And I think that's what really excites me, because I would never have believed that growing up, that all you really need is you need people that are committed to our young people and the scriptures. 
And through that, Christ is at work at all times. Um, so yeah, that's really what it's looked like. We're possibly uh, we're part of a partnership here in the west of Scotland, which is a dozen great evangelical gospel churches that are looking at possibly starting a youth conference together. Um, and again, we don't know what that looks like. We're only in the beginning conversations of that, but we want to see we want to see our young people being brought up in the faith. We want to see solid teaching, um, and that's something that we're focused on and trying to make happen. That's so so encouraging to hear that, and just it's it's always a good reminder that it's I think it's a temptation for us in in ministry, if that's student ministry or or you know adult ministry, to to lean on different methodologies or, or mm-hmm. you know tactics to draw people in, but but especially in youth ministry to think, okay, how can we you know capture them or give them an experience or make this exciting, and of course you know we want to have some fun and some time for fellowship, but to to lean on the authority of God's word to keep that before them, that they are hungry for, for the truth. And it's just good to, to be reminded of that. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, I was just thinking as we think a little bit more about your, your context, I was curious if you could just maybe share what, what doesn't work in your youth ministry context. Have you, you know, read a youth ministry book or a youth ministry blog where people have said, Hey, th- try this out in youth ministry or, Hey, this has been working in, uh, you know, uh, this context of youth ministry, but you thinking about that in your UK context and just thinking, you know what, that wouldn't work at all in, in the context that I'm serving in. Is there anything that comes to mind when, when I ask that question? Big events. Hmm. So thinking things like, I know like Nerf Wars are big things and whatever it's called, uh, Halloween Trumpkin Tree and those sort of things, those, those ideas that our churches can be, hubs within the community for those sort of events don't really exist here hmm. um it, it has to be on the small it has to be uh, relationally based and you know we do find that it's more from a family context but we are able to engage well with the community um with families but i guess for me it's this idea of we need to stop trying to entertain our young people because i don't have the budget and i don't think it's the church's place to entertain them like the world can entertain our young people. Um, and I think we belittle we belittle what we are as the church. We belittle uh, the gospel that we represent when we try and say, we're going to offer you better entertainment than this world. Um, so I found that helpful. And just acknowledging that, that you know what, we are not going to be able to give and entertain our young people like the world can offer them entertainment. Hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, just from, from a, a budgetary standpoint, that, that there's no way yeah. a church budget can keep up with what the world can do as far as uh, entertaining no. our students. So uh, that's interesting to hear. Um, Jonathan, going back to, to something you were talking about earlier, just some of those statistics, this might you know connect uh, yeah. to that, I'm sure. But, but do most of the students in your ministry, do they come from you know churched families or are they those who are outside of the church? And I know you kind of referenced in that statistic, kind of the legacy families, those who just kind of, yeah. it was handed down, but they don't necessarily identify as, as Christians. So uh, what do you find? Most students coming from these church families or not? Yeah, most most of our young people are from within church families. Um, whether not all of those families are people that have you know third, fourth generation Christians, there are a lot of those families within there that have come to faith uh, through other areas of the church, um, and they are now bringing their young people. Um, and that's a really interesting one because we've got a couple of teenagers that 
haven't grown up in church, but parents have come to faith and all of a sudden they've been thrown into this culture, not being invited by a friend, but kind of told by parents, this is where we're going and this is what we're going to do. So that's interesting. Um, I think because we are also still in the infancy of our youth ministry, um, I, I guess we're guilty of focusing mostly upon discipleship at the minute rather than our outreach. Um, and that's where most of our emphasis has been. Um, so, but there has been good opportunities of just young people bringing along their friends, mm-hmm. um, just coming along to our Bible studies, um, opening the Word together, uh, and that's been really, really encouraging. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's interesting too because, as you said, you know, the big events don't typically work, you know, in your context. And so, as you say, students bringing friends along, do you find that your students who are in the church? that their friends have an interest in coming along or there is there a reluctance uh, because I don't know, maybe the church just has a negative stigma over there. People aren't attracted to that. What do, do you see challenges there or are they fairly, uh, are they coming along fairly easily? The beauty of having, the beauty of being within this culture is there's such an ignorance. So, it's not like we're, I don't think, I think we're past the generation of people that have walked away from faith and gone, I want nothing to do with God. And we've got a bunch of people, I was talking to somebody recently um, that was doing a nativity type idea in a church, uh, in a school, sorry, and they were talking about Jesus. And a child turned to them and said, why did they name the baby after a swear word? <laughs> wow. Because there was just no concept. Mm. Um, and there is this idea that, you know, Ignorance is bliss. There isn't so much. Of course, there are the militant, the militant atheists that are against what we're trying to do. But in the main, people don't have a clue about what they would have to be against with church. So people are fairly open, I would say, hmm. um, which, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if some of that goes just with... Yeah, you know, the message of tolerance in so many areas. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you've got these young students that are just kind of, you know, more tolerant or open to hearing anything and everything. And like you said, there's some advantage to that, that they can, you know, yeah. come into the church and uh, be ignorant and be exposed to the gospel and by God's grace, uh, come to, to love it and believe it. Um, so that's Absolutely. interesting to, to hear that. Well, along those lines, what, what are some of the biggest issues and, and challenges that you're, your students are, are facing, and, and maybe specifically the students that are in your church. What are some of the, the biggest struggles or temptations that they're you know dealing with in their uh, peer context? Uh, the majority of it must stem from social media, hmm. um, and you're trying to get through to them the idea that you know God's memory is longer than the ten seconds of a Snapchat. <laughs> that just because the Snapchat message disappears doesn't mean that it disappears from God. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, spam accounts on Instagram. These are becoming a a big thing where you have two accounts. You have the presentable account, and then you have the the account where you post things that you wouldn't want your parents to see. But it is essentially the idea of having two yous, having the presentable you and then the stuff that you want to hide that you only want to laugh at with your friends. Um, and the hard thing is, is when young people are in this culture and that is what they see is to be the ones to step in. Because, of course, most parents wouldn't have a clue what this is, um, probably don't ask about a lot of these things. So we are the ones a lot of the time that are coming in here going, what is this? And, and in what way does this honour God? But, of course, by this point, they've already got them. They're already in there. 
and then they're beginning to start thinking about these questions once they're already within a, a lot of that culture. Um, identity is a massive one. Uh, transgenderism is a massive problem in this country. Uh, just acceptance, you know, we are the country of the tolerant intolerance. You know, we're tolerant as long as you agree with us. If you don't agree, we hate you. Uh, and it makes no sense. So I think there's that um, that just plays so much that what does it look like to come against culture when or to be in the world but not of the world when it controls so much more than I think it has at a lot of times, if that makes sense, that, mm-hmm. yeah, when so much, including the laws and, and whatever else it may be, stand against the truth of God, that's difficult. That's really hard for, for us as adults, but let alone for our teenagers mm-hmm. that are trying to wrestle with this. And sadly, a lot of them trying to wrestle with that on their own. They don't know where to go to for support in that, and it just confuses them. Mm, absolutely. It's it's tragic for sure. And, and, and it's interesting to hear you as you answer this question. I mean, it does remind me, going back to that uh, conversation that I had w- with Paul Brown, that even though we have different cultures, you know, in so many different ways, that there there's so many similarities of just specifically in this area, what our students are, are struggling with. I mean, yeah. as you go straight to social media and then you talk about identity and then transgenderism, I mean, so much of that is, is definitely the, the culture we're, we're dealing with over here. And, yeah. you know, going back to, to social media and to, to smartphones, uh, what are you seeing? Yeah. You know, younger and younger students getting smartphones do, do the majority of your students have smartphones? Is there any kind of dialogue between parents over, okay, is this good? Is this bad? What, what's it like over there? Yes, everybody has a smartphone. Um, I think be- because everybody has contracted phones, it's as soon as I get the new one, my kid gets the the, the <laughs> next one, um, which, which is fine until they're like eight years old and they have access to everything. But y- y- <laughs> yeah, um, what is the dialogue like? Parents are behind. Um. As I think they, all, I think parents always are behind the teenagers, but mm-hmm. it's so fast, like it moves so quick. Do you know, I'm only 25, so I only left school what nine, nine, ten, eight years ago, um, and it's moved so much in eight years, um, and I struggle to keep up with this, and I've never felt so old as I do now, trying <laughs> to keep up with the stuff these guys are looking at. Um, and the way that they're processing and dealing with things. So I think that's an important part of trying to partner with parents is trying to help them. And there is a balance in this because you don't want your young people to feel like you're going behind their backs to speak to their parents to be like, by the way, stop your kids from doing this. But you also want them to be well informed. You know, you want them to help their kids make the right decisions. Um, yeah, for their faith, for growing up, for their households. So there's definitely a balance within that. Um that we probably haven't quite mastered yet. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And, and as you mentioned, transgenderism being another one of uh, those issues that your students are dealing with, just all that, you know, the LGBTQ spectrum there. Uh, do, do you find that you're able to have those conversations with your students in the church, or is there some reluctance? Is there pushback? I mean, I, I know for sure, as you, you just talked about, just liberal, liberalism being, you know, not yeah. just <clears throat> politically speaking. I mean, just talking about theologically and, and all of that, uh, you know, you find that more students are just uh, buying into a lot of LGBTQ agenda. Um, what kind of conversations are you able to have with them? 
I think, so for us, we don't have a youth group as such. So we don't bring all, all of our young people together at once. But instead, we have uh, three groups. We have a younger girls group, a younger boys group, and then a senior mixed group. What's been helpful with that is those groups have been together for a good period of time. So there is real trust built with within them. Uh, and I've been so excited to see the openness and the honesty within there um, of being able to talk about these issues. And I think, you know, they know that we're not going to go running to parents with the first thing, uh, the, the first issue that we see. Um, I, I, we've got a great team of volunteers in the church that, that just meet with our young people, that spend time with them. And I think having that offer there, uh, we've got a new Starbucks that just opened down the road, so that's always helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's my second home because, you know, that's what it takes. Just grab a coffee with a young person and say, you know, where are you just now? Um, and, you know, for some of them, we, we work through Bible studies one-on-one. -on -one. Some of them, it's just a case of listening. Uh, some of them, it's a case of exploring books. I've just started exploring uh, J.C. Ryle's Thoughts for Young Men with a couple of our guys, and what a tremendous book um, to, to look at with young men. Um, yeah, so there's been loads of exciting stuff in there. And I think there is an honesty. I think there is a desire to know the truth because there is there is a sense, even in those that are part of this culture, that there aren't uh, believers, that aren't within the church, that there is something wrong here. You know, the, the, the sinfulness of man, it's just there is something so evident to all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and as you're as you're talking through some of the you know the one to one discipleship, you've mentioned volunteers that you have. How about just give us an idea of of what does your ministry look like? Just kind of in a given week, what are some of the you know the programs you have? What are some of the sure. uh, the things in which you know students are attending? Just give us a little bit of an idea of what that looks like. Sure. Um, so on a Tuesday night, we run three Bible study groups uh, across our town. We run them uh, by run by great people. Um, one thing the Lord's really taught me is not to find people that are good at working with young people, but find the godly people and teach them to work with young people. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's been so helpful for us because we found so many great people that work with our young people that when you look at them, you would think, oh, this person can't talk to a young person, they can't work with them, but have been a true blessing to us. So we have these three groups, um, and they are the core of our ministry. They are the real core of what we do, and essentially we meet for an hour and a half, we have something to eat for half an hour, and then we we wrestle and we open the scriptures. We've just uh, finished uh, the Bible 101 series with our oldest group. Our youngest groups are working through the New City Catechism together, uh, taking some questions from the curriculum and building that and opening that up. Um, and that's been really helpful. We do uh, social events at times where we'll just go out and do something together, just a chance to hang out and mm -hmm. just build friendships, fellowship together. Um, we are running various programs to try and get our young people more involved within the life of the church. Um, we tend to like to give our passionate young people really rubbishy jobs in church. Uh, you know, like you can print the news sheet or you can click the PowerPoint slide. So really trying to think about, you know, we have guys that are good, God-fearing guys that are 15, 16, 17 years old. How do we, what can we do to challenge them? But what can we do to help them serve in the church? So we also, we run kind of a family uh, monthly activity within the church that we'll see 100, 120 people that aren't in the church coming along. And wow. our teenager volunteer team is 14. Um, and we never put that out to them, which is super encouraging. Um, that's them wanting to come in, wanting to serve. So it's been really exciting seeing them coming into the church and wanting to serve. 
Um, we have a Sunday morning program for our youngest teenagers, um, which again is the same. It's just a case of opening the word, trying not to make it vastly different from church so that they don't hit, you know, 14, 15 and go, oh my goodness, this is this is church, this is different. But, you know, just really just taking it so that it's at a level they really can, can wrestle with or understand. Um, and that's the bulk of our ministry. There's loads of kind of, uh, yeah, meetups, one-on-ones uh, in between all of that. Um, but in essence, that's what we do. Because when, um, you know, I said I've been the first youth pastor this church has had. Um, and when we started, I sat down with all the parents. And the one thing they said is, Jonathan, don't bombard us with programs. Don't. And I was like, I was tearing my hair out. Because I was like, how am I going to justify what I do if there's not loads of stuff going on? <laughs> But actually, do you know what? A once a week commitment and then another couple of monthly commitments, that's more than we expect from a lot of our adults in church. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I think what we see is because we're not ramming a program, we're seeing brilliant commitment um, and real priority put on what we do. Hmm. Yeah, and, and as you talked about sitting down with parents just then and, and talking through okay, mm-hmm. some of what you, you plan to do, tell us a little bit about what, what does it look like for you to partner with parents in this mm-hmm. church context? Is that something that's somewhat easy to do? Or I know every every t- everyone's going to struggle in, in certain areas, but, but just talk us through a little bit of what that looks like. Yeah. Um, one of the first things I saw when I came into this church was – the fantastic intergenerational relationships that were within this church. Um, and that was, you know, I always thought that that if the youth ministry of this church took away from those intergeneral, intergenerational relationships, we're doing something wrong. Mm. So from our foundation, it's always been about how can we help our young people learn from the oldest people and everybody in between. Um, and, and I think with parents, it's it's making sure that they know they have the ownership first and foremost being really, really clear that I am not the primary disciple of my, my team. Those that serve in the church are not the primary disciples of your kids, but that's your job. Um, in our children's ministry, one thing we've just started doing um, is every week just sending home two questions that relate to, to things that they've discussed that Sunday um, so that parents can speak directly into what they've just been doing. Because um, that, you know, that's what happens, isn't it? You go home, how was Sunday school? How was church? Fine. Uh, and that's all that happens. So being able to build out of that, I think, is helpful. Um, so yeah, I find, I find relationships positive in trying to partner with parents. Um, and it, but it's hard to know if they're taking ownership. Do you know, it's all well and good me saying, this is what we're doing. This, this is how you can support your young people. This is what you should be doing. How many of them are really picking up on that? Um, some young people, it's easy to tell. You know, some of them you can tell that through the week they've been processing and working through what we've been doing, uh, what we've been talking about. But there are others you can kind of tell that sadly parents don't take ownership of that faith. And there is that expectation that, you know, what we are going to disciple their kids for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's a battle that every church has. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, just trying to keep information easy do you know like i suck at organization like so you're trying to get <laughs> the monthly emails and all that stuff on rubbish so it's very scattered but i just try and get as much stuff out there all the time of what we're doing how to keep parents engaged um our bible study groups are going to read through the book of mark for the next month so just again just passing all that information on and saying to parents you know what why don't you join us 
why don't you join our young people and just why not read the book of Mark in the next month as well? It's only what twenty verses a day. Pick it up, read it with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for some parents that maybe don't themselves have uh, a walk with Jesus, it'll be a great opportunity for them just to take some time to open the Word. Um, you know, and hopefully we can encourage parents in that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know we we talked about challenges with, with students, but but let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges with partnering with parents. I know you're kind of hitting on some of that right now, but but what are some of those those biggest challenges that you're facing as you try to engage with parents and come alongside them? And you know, I'm sure as many youth workers say, being younger than most of the parents, that's kind of a yeah. challenge. Uh, but talk to us a little um, bit about that. I think parents are really cautious of trying not to look uncool in front of their kids. Now, that might sound stupid, but I think there is a reluctance from a lot of parents to want to partner with you because they'll feel like they're suffocating their their kids. Um, And I think trying to get past that is really important. So, you know, bringing in parents into our youth ministry, into the leadership of the ministry, because we do have, I think, this thought that you have to be in your 20s or 30s to work with young people. Um, But we know that that's utter nonsense. Um, so trying to involve parents in what we do and getting people to see that it's not um, it's segregation. And I think that's probably one of my biggest reflections on going up in youth ministry myself is this idea. I think we miss youth ministry when it becomes this segregated entity. Um, Vody Bokum uses the word when we create a church within a church. Mm-hmm. We have to be so careful we don't do that. Because if we create this separate entity in youth ministry, then it's like, oh my goodness, how do we partner to try and rein back in the church? Um, so that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is is communicate better with parents whilst bringing them into what we're doing. Yeah, that's a lot of words in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just trying to bring parents on board. I think they want to be informed, but they just don't really know how to go about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something Timothy Paul Jones, I mean, as you referenced Vody Bakum, I know Timothy Paul Jones has done, I want to say he's done some work uh, where there's, you know, just different perspectives on family ministry. And I, and I think he edited a work with, Vody Bakum, but but he talks about how oftentimes, you know, the church tells parents they're the primary disciplers of their children, but that yeah. the church can fail to give them tools to to actually do that discipleship and engage in that uh, more effectively. And so it is. I mean, it's a tension for sure of trying to to figure out as a you know student pastor how do I come alongside parents? How do I equip them? How do we do something that is somewhat unique and age specific without also becoming this you know separate congregation as as Vody yeah. uh, says. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficulty uh, for sure. Um, but as you said, I mean, Scripture's clear on the, the parents' uh, role of the in the discipleship process and that they're the primary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, influencers of their children. And so it's, it's definitely something yeah. uh, student pastors have to wrestle with. I think one thing we've tried to do this year as well is we've really tried to, a vision is too strong a word, but we really want to focus what we're doing. Um, and it came through, we took all our young people away at the end of uh, in June and, and the speaker came in and spoke from Romans 12 too, you know, don't conform to the pattern of this world, be transformed. And the word that, that, that kept coming through, what he was saying through through prayer, through just talking together was this idea of being rooted. Uh, and it hit me on summer of how do we help our young people become rooted 
in the faith, rooted in the scriptures. Because I think we put a level of expectation on how mature a young person can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to remove that. So what we've done is we took Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7, and just made three statements for where we want to see our youth ministry in this year ahead. But we want to see our young people walking in him, rooted in him and built up in him. Um, and the three simple things that come from that are we want to see our young people living obedient lives. We want to see them growing in their maturity and we want to see them encouraging and being encouraged. And I think if you can break it down as simply as that, that this is what we want to see. And then, you know, we then talk about how our ministries feed into this, how this comes out. I think parents appreciate that as well. Mm. I think when parents see that, I guess we're serious but also that I think they can identify with that um, because I think it can often feel like our youth ministry just kind of floats. It's just there. But I think with a more targeted purpose and I think rooted in such great verses as these is really helpful. What does it look like to walk in him? What does it look like to be rooted and built up in him? It has been really helpful for us so far uh, this year. Mm, yeah, that's that's excellent to hear that. And like you said, just rooting that in scripture and to, to look at so yeah. much, <clears throat> excuse me, so much, uh, you know, just truth we can attach our kind of goal purpose of youth ministry to that's that's grounded in, in scripture is is vitally important to kind of get some some mm. marching orders. And like you said, to kind of hone in on a specific goal. I think that's, yeah, a good word. Um, well, look, I was going to ask you one question about what you're reading before we close. Any other statements you want to make about just youth ministry, challenges, partnering with parents, anything else before we, we close out with that? Yes. I want to, I want to plug you guys for a minute because <laughs> we, we met, we met last night to study and to, to chat with our young people. And we finished Bible 101, you know, and it says, right, let's pray before we read. And I thought, you know what, Let, let's scrap our notes for a minute. So I said, I just posed to our young people, let's pick a passage. Let's have no notes, half an hour. What are we going to read? And somebody says, oh, let's do the crucifixion. So I was like, fantastic, let's go to Matthew. And it's interesting because we don't really tend to read the crucifixion from Matthew. And, you know, we sat and we prayed together. We prayed the five Gs, which just in case I get them in slightly the wrong order, I won't repeat right now. Um, (laughs) But we prayed, you know, we just sat and it was just amazing to see our young people pull out the principles just to take some time and go, actually, what does this say? Um, Because I think there's such a fear of opening the Bible and being wrong. And in verse 39, it says, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, and somebody said, you know, I've never thought that when Jesus was on that cross, there was people just passing by. Hmm. We always think of this this abstract place that's far away. And I was like, do you know what? See, just from reading that, I've never thought of that before. Hmm. And something like that, that is so simple and straightforward, is just taken by opening the scriptures together. Um, and that's been really helpful. And, and and Bible 101, the foundations has really helped us and helped our young people just to just to start there, mm. just just to think and consider and actually empowered them um, to think, do you know what? I do have something to contribute to the way that we read the Bible. So, yeah, I've been massively encouraged by that. Massively well, th- encouraged. 
Thanks for that plug. And I can tell our listeners, I did not pay Jonathan to say that. <laughs> but but yeah, what, what he's referencing, if you check out our Bible 101 study, which is a, a free download, there are these five G's that are just instructing anyone. I mean, not just youth, but but adults as well, before you open up the word to, to pray and to ask God for these uh, specific things. That's to, to guard, to guide, give, grant, and, and ultimately God's glory uh, for being why we read what we read. But also to let people know that there is a, a ministry tools section on our website. And so if anyone wants to download those 5Gs and a little bookmark, uh, one of them is just a bookmark with the 5Gs listed. Another is a little bit that would fit into more of a pocket-sized Bible, but it gives a little explanation for those. Uh, so students can print that out, can have that in their Bible, and wherever they are, they can, uh, you know, uh, be praying through those things before they open up the Word. So uh, we, we wanted to, to develop you know, free resources for churches to use not only studies, but these tools that can be used. So that's a brief plug to let everyone know about that. Um, Jonathan, as we close this out, what are some things you're reading right now? Uh, this can be just more kind of personal devotion, or this can be in the area of youth and family ministry, just some, some things that you're reading right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, starting with a good book, uh, Philippians, just... The book of Philippians, the example of Christ, just focusing on that, just so focused on the utter example that there is in Christ, point to Christ at all times, follow Christ above all else has been really, really helpful. Um, and it is, it's just a wonderful book. It's so good for encouragement. Uh, it's been really good for me. Um, I'm a bit of an old man sometimes, so I'm currently reading The Mortification of Sin by John uh, Owen. Yeah, which, some light reading there. <laughs> yeah, but oh man, you know, if you ever, oh, it's just the best book. It's so good. I try and read it uh, frequently, but it's just so helpful for tearing you apart and then putting you back together again. Um, has been so helpful. Uh, and that's my main reading at the minute is just trying to, yeah, you know, I think we don't, our job as youth pastors is to, is to make truth known to our young people. So I don't tend to read a lot of youth ministry specific books mm -hmm. um i just think how can i make john owen applicable to our young people um, which <laughs> takes some time but when it happens you know it's just fantastic yes. it's really cool yeah for sure Jonathan, look, it, it's been good to, to talk to you. I mean, obviously just connecting with you over email uh, a few weeks ago, but then to, to sit, and even though you're all the way over <laughs> uh, in Scotland and I'm here in Mississippi to be able to at least see each other through a screen and, and to catch up and to hear, uh, again, to be reminded how big God's kingdom is and to hear mm -hmm. how his word is, is going forth to every corner of the globe is, is encouraging. So thanks for the work you're doing there, and thanks for taking the time to come on. No, oh, thanks, Sean. Much appreciated. And yeah, it's been great to spend some time with you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll talk later. Will do. Thanks. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. Yeah.